Hi everyone, I'm Dan Duva, radio play-by-play broadcaster for the Golden Knights. Welcome to the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. It's SLGND, presented by the D Hotel. Owner of the Vegas Golden Knights, Bill Foley, joins the crew for an extended conversation. Bill offers his evaluation of the Golden Knights through 51 games. He talks playoff picture, roster possibilities, NHL expansion to Seattle, plus behind the scenes on the production of the Knights' newest game open video at T-Mobile Arena, and what it's like watching games with GM George McPhee. The crew also discusses the trade of defenseman Brad Hunt to Minnesota, how the Knights can use that new roster spot with potential call-ups. We debate line combination possibilities and look at potential needs a month away from the trade deadline. It's SLGND, the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, presented by the D Hotel. And now, here's Dave. All right, Dan, you're the best. Just ask me, I'll tell you. Hi, I'm Some Guy Named Dave. Dave Gosher along with Shane Knighty, Gary Lawless, and Dan Duva. Not to be forgotten, Dan Duva, the Sheriff Lawless, Some Guy Named Dave podcast. Hashtag SLGND. Coming to you from our palatial downtown Summerlin Studios at the Golden Knights Executive Offices. As the Golden Knights, one more game to go as we sit here today before hitting the All-Star break and then their bye week, which runs into it. So they'll be off after tomorrow's game against Nashville for a while until the end of the month. So, uh, all right, boys, here we are. Um, I guess just some uh, some thoughts here. The Golden Knights made a trade last night after, after their loss here at home to the Minnesota Wild. Brad Hunt, who... Um, I think you would all agree. You won't meet a better guy in the business than Brad Hunt. We always joke around, Shane, there's no bad days in his world. But uh, the Golden Knights make a move, and he heads off to the Minnesota Wild. Well, it's an opportunity for a guy that deserves it. I think more than anything, uh, you know, they weren't finding a place for him to play. And because of his attitude and the way he handled it, you could not handle that situation any better. And, uh, you know, when you're in and out of the lineup, a healthy scratcher as long as Brad Hunt has been, he's just a quality, quality human. And you said he doesn't have a bad day. He comes every day. And that's what you need to have a good team. But there comes a point when you want to give that guy an opportunity. And I think he deserved it. So, you know, this is a move by the Golden Knights where they don't have a place for him. Uh, John Merrill played terrific. I think that kind of maybe pushed this forward because when Merrill came in, he was excellent for this team. I think the, the progression of the players, the youngsters they have in Chicago makes this move allowable. And it gives... Brad Hunt, the opportunity to become, you know, mainstay in the NHL. And I think this is just a real good move. Yeah, so the deal is he goes to Minnesota along with a sixth-round pick for a fifth-round pick coming up in the draft in June. Gary, he played four games in the last two-plus months. And as, you know, as Shane hit on, there's Merrill comes in, plays well. They've got some guys they really like playing for AHL Chicago. How did you, how did you read this trade being made? Well, I think Shane hit all the high notes there. Merrill, obviously, his last stretch, I'll be honest with you, I find it, found it hard for them to take Merrill out of the lineup. Obviously, you get a guy like Colin Miller and his, who's got his, his, the high, high-end power play abilities, but Merrill's game got quiet, and it was, he just did, you, you didn't notice him when he was out there, and uh, you know, they used to say that about Bob Rouse, was the, the if you didn't know Bob Rouse had played in the game, then it meant he'd had a good game, and uh, and sort of a kind of like that about Merrill and his last stint, but the last part to me, I think, is the real important piece. He didn't play in the playoffs for them last year, or not very much anyways, and if they get to their eighth defenseman, it's time now for it to be someone who's with the Chicago Wolves. It's time for it to be Eric Haig or Eric Branstrom or Nick Haig or or one of those guys and uh, 
Yeah, while we're on that topic, uh, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing one of those guys pretty soon to to find out, you know, maybe even before the trade deadline because I think that, you know, I, I'd like them to upgrade their blue line a little bit, you know, and if there's, you know, obviously if there's some high-end guys out there, you want to look at it, but I also think you don't want to clog things up for the future. And if one or two of these guys are ready to, to assert themselves as early as, Late this season or off the top of next season, I think that has to that has to be part of how you govern yourself going into the deadline. And you wonder about that, Gary, in terms of the point you brought up with John Merrill playing as well as he was uh, while he was in there. How do you take him out when Colin Miller comes back? So if you do want to bring somebody up like Haig or Brandstrom on the blue line, then which Golden Knights defenseman is coming out? But the other aspect of this has to do with the Golden Knights who are injured, who at some point will become healthy, and you've got. 23 spots on the active roster so we don't know but at some point riley smith looks like he's close to coming back and in order to activate him from injured reserve you'd have to make a corresponding roster move and now with brad hunt off the active roster you don't have to send somebody down on waivers or to the american league or so on and so forth yeah they you know it was a luxury to carry eight defensemen for as long as they did and uh, you know let, Valentin Zikoff is a big part of this picture because this is an experiment that uh, the Golden Knights really want to give an opportunity this is a he was a very high prospect you know led the American League in goals last year uh, got to Carolina and uh, I, I would think that a player who isn't in elite condition and Rod Brindamore are not a good fit. So th- that experiment was not going to last very long. So then he ends up in Edmonton. And frankly, they don't have time. They they, they need they, – they can't wait around to figure out if a player can go or not. They need guys that can play right now. Peter Shirelli is fighting for his job hour by hour, day by day. So uh, they didn't have the time to invest in in Zikoff. Vegas does. Vegas has, you know, they're a playoff team right now. They are, uh, you know, they're a team that isn't real full of prospects at that age. So getting a chance to have a look at him, I think, is, you know, more important than carrying uh, eight defensemen in terms of... They knew what Brad Hunt had. Right. Well said. They, they, As they always, knew, they, Shane cuts to the chase. Well, there no, you go. No, I'm <laughs> just saying, they, they, they knew what Brad Hunt was about, a player, a human, and, and I'm sure this wasn't an easy move, but I think that's why I believe they did this, because they liked him so much. Well, Brad Hunt will come in here at, an, at some point in time playing for the Minnesota Wild and get two assists on the oh, absolutely. play, right? I, you know <laughs> what I mean? And, I th- and you would think that so long as Vegas wins the game, that everyone in the organization would be very happy for him. Absolutely. He's a guy you'll cheer for. Exactly. Sure. And for Minnesota, it's someone who has some connections there, Bemidji State, and that's an important thing, I'd suppose, for Brad. But also that he's 30 years old. It's not as though Brad is 23, 24, and he's trying to crack the National Hockey League. I mean, he's had a terrific American League career, and he's not found consistent NHL time. And maybe there's a spot there in Minnesota. Well, there's the Paul Fenton connection there. Brad came out, was in Nashville when right. Fenton was in Nashville. I know a pro scout who's with Nashville, and uh, you know he, he is forever talking about if Brad Hunt is ever available. We're you know if you ever put him on waivers, we're claiming him, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, this the, the fact that Fenton and you get something back wa- right. wanted. Brad Hunt is no surprise to me, and Shane says it best. You didn't wave him, you got something back. And they're going to be without Matt Dumba, it looks like, the rest of the year, right? So they needed some sort of reinforcements back there on the back end. So uh, as hard as it is to see him go, you can understand why the Golden Knights made this move last night.
Well, time now for our guest of the day here on the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. And it's brought to you by, where else? Rock Creek Cattle Company. It's a hidden gem located in the heart of Montana. This working cattle ranch sits on 28,000 acres of land and has a little something for everyone, including world-class golf, fly fishing, hunting, and lots more. Escape the bright lights and discover Big Sky Montana. Check it out at rockcreekcattlecompany.com. Bill Foley, owner of the Golden Knights, joining us here on the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. We thank you as always for your time, Bill. Obviously, you had nothing else to do with your time. Uh, <laughs> oh, this is fun. This is great. I'd much rather just kind of hang out with you guys yeah. and talk because that's what you do. Yeah, you yeah just... that's right. That's all we do. We just kind of yap away. You're right. That's about uh, right. At the end of the day, we talk get, hockey. We get paid to talk. All right. So, um, what's with the new open before the games at T-Mobile? So you're you're in the center of it. There's been talk of Academy Awards and Oscar nominations. I don't know if you planned the speech. Take us through how this came about. Well, we've always had great openings, um, and uh, I just thought we got away from the spirit of the night over the last couple of openings, and I wanted to get back to the idea that the night is the epitome of the warrior class. And so I came up with this idea, and it's going to be enhanced, that the uh, sword was stolen by the evil forces during the Stanley Cup last year, and the Golden Knights lost some of their power. And it's the only reason we didn't win the Stanley Cup. And we've been struggling early in the year because we had not found the sword. So we asked the uh, a paramedical a paramedic group from uh, Nellis, uh, and these guys are unbelievable, need to find the sword. So they go out and they find the sword, and, they, and then you know the rest. They radio in and... You know, 06 Actual, uh, it's uh, VGK 06 Actual. That means that is the real commander, not just the guy who's who's the six at that, that point in time. And we find the sword and we bring it back and then the guys night up. And uh, I think it's pretty cool. And they're all like in their, we never give up. We always advance. We never retreat. We are the epitome of the warrior class. So I think we really got back. We got away from the sword fight. And now we're back to the knights, protecting the unprotected, advancing. How long did it take to take us through the filming of it? Like, how, how long did that take? How, what, what was the process? One, one take each one time take? for you? No, like, no, no, no. This was, uh, uh, let's see, the first little segment where I'm just being called on the radio and we're, uh, we're out at uh, Henderson and going to take off in the helicopter. That little piece took about four hours. Wow. And they weren't done either. They were still taking the helicopter on, landing it, taking it on, whatever. And then the next piece was out there by that ghost town, Nelson. And uh, my piece started at uh, 9, and I finished at 12.30, and they shut down around dark. So it was... It's pretty elaborate. Well, it's worth it, though. It, it's a tremendous opening. Great response. At least I've heard. Have you heard the same The feedback you've gotten on it? Oh, I mean, I listened to the fans last yeah. night. Once they'd seen it once and they saw it again and they're cheering. And I was walking down the hall after uh, talking to a couple or had an interview. And I was trying to get back to see it, Is it back, to the, uh, back to my seat. And these two kids with their mom, the lady comes on and starts her announcement. And they say, Mom, this is the most important part. Let's go. And they just start jetting down <laughs> jetting down the hallway. So that was pretty good to see. So if you get the kids, you know, you get everybody. Was this part of, you know, when you were thinking about getting an NHL franchise, did you ever sort of imagine that you would be involved at this level in it? Or is this... I know, I know you, you really enjoyed the Carl's Jr. experience. You made some commercials with, with them. Was this something you always had in the back of your mind to be involved like this? Yeah, I thought it'd be fun. I thought it'd be fun to do. You know, it's a, I don't. I'm not a. I'm not a 
um, egomaniac about it or anything like that. But I thought it'd be fun to kind of have a piece of it. And I did, uh, when I was at Carl's Jr.'s back in the mid-90s, and we changed the whole commercial base, and we went more uh, younger male to attract the younger male. And we did have a lot of beautiful women that were eating hamburgers or dropping ketchup on their blouse or whatever. Uh, um, and I, so I really enjoyed that. I, enjoy, I went to the commercials. I went to the shoots. Uh, I thought it was really a lot of fun. And I, this, is, this was fun, too. I didn't, I, the time was not, was not a big deal. It was just really a, a great time. And I had my, um, my, my pilot came down from, uh, flew the helicopter down from uh, Whitefish. And he's a 98 USMA grad, uh, you know, two tours in Iraq, one in Korea. Uh, went to a flu Chinooks, and so he really liked being involved. He thought it was cool. So that's your helicopter from it, Whitefish. It was, yeah. And then we yeah. and we put a we put a, a different logo on it, so it's a VGK logo. So it's, I thought it was I thought it was that was well done, you know, from this smoke being tossed, you know, guiding us in. <laughs> so the strength is back. You, have you let the players know that uh, the sword has been found? Uh, they've got the strength back, and now you're yeah. expecting a big run here to, exactly. to the end of the regular season. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we have February. We have a lot of home games. We I expect to run and. Uh, we were just a little off last night, but um, you know I expect us to really—it's one game at a time. We all know that, right? We've heard that. <laughs> yes. Well, I got to ask you because you know last year we talked to you, and you've watched a lot of hockey now, and you obviously get more school. You sit with George and Kelly, and I'm sure you get a lot of the behind the scenes when you watch. Do you watch it differently now? Is your you got more patience when you watch? Do you understand the losses a little bit more? Yeah, no, I I do understand uh, when things don't work out well, and I uh, and I also. You know, I'm not really watching the puck anymore. I'm watching where the play is developing, yeah. which is really a lot yes. of fun. And you know, I can uh, last night a couple times. I, I, I kind of at the same time George said it. You got him. You know, we knew he was, knew he was a breakaway. Knew he had it. So we were watching, uh, just watching things a little differently, which, which is, which is good education for me. It's been fun. What's been your assessment? I guess now, Bill. I mean, we're fifty plus games into the season as to kind of where the team was early and now where they're at as we sit here close to the All Star break. Yeah, so we had the kind of a tough start. We had a lot of guys hurt. Uh, Nate was out for 20 games. Tuck was out for the first nine. Stasny went out after, in the third game he went out. Uh, guys in and out of the lineup. Uh, so we were we were struggling. We, I think we were eight, eleven, and uh, eight, eleven, and one. Uh, and then Schmidt came back and got it turned around. And so we're doing well, but it's still fragile. We've got to we've got to win some games now. We need to put some separation between us and some of the other guys. And if, if we do that, we'll 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 be in good shape. We'll the Pacific Division since like around November twentieth, mm-hmm. Calgary, San Jose, and and Vegas they got a win they got a points percentage almost of eight hundred. Everybody is winning, and uh, over the last little stretch, uh, it just. Every night you look at the scoreboard, and Vegas lost last night, and San Jose did too. But Calgary seems to keep winning as well. The Pacific's going to be tough. Pacific's going to be tough. Um, we're going to have to do a lot to try and catch Calgary. Uh, you'd like to win the Pacific so you get the wild card, and you're not beating up uh, the. If you're number two, you're not beating up number three, and but you got to face them all sometime. So. Whatever. That, that's the interesting thing. And, and Dave and I were talking about this the other day. I said, yeah, it'd be great to win the Pacific. But, you know, have, in my past, when I think back to teams when we did that, there's an added pressure to that. There's a lot more pressure mm-hmm. when you finish a top that, well, 
you're supposed to win that first round, whereas you go in a little looser sometimes when you're the underdog or you're not in that position, and you're exactly right. you got to beat everybody, so it shouldn't matter. Getting to playoffs is number one. Yeah. yeah, and then the next is home ice, and the next kind of is winning your division. So it'll be interesting where it plays out. And now, and we talk about this time of the year, you got the break coming, a big game before that, Nashville to handle. But then after that, I think it's the time of the year, guys come out of that all-star break, and, and the whole league goes to another level. Yeah, exactly. And, and that, to me, is going to be interesting for your team. And it gives you a chance to get healthy. And maybe something we haven't seen all year is a healthy 12 up front. Correct. You know, we need to get Carrier back. Uh, we need to, Riley will be back. You know, Riley's, uh, I, I know he'd like to play tomorrow night. And uh, But give him a chance to Absolutely. heal. Give him a chance to heal. He gets another 10 days to heal or so. Uh, he's going to be in fine in fine shape. He'll be just good. And it's not going to hurt us for missing one more missing one more game. Do you continue to be amazed, Bill? At, it seems like it just keeps getting better and better. The fan experience at T-Mobile, every game is standing room only. I, I don't know where you put them, but they're in there somewhere wedged in. Uh, it seems like, if anything, it's gaining more and momentum, more and more momentum with each home game. Yeah, we are. I mean, we're doing better than we did last year in terms of game day revenue. I think I think uh, our TV ratings now are uh, number uh, number three in the U.S., which is pretty uh, pretty good. Um, That's due to Shane. Or, uh, I was going to say, I mean, they were just smiling over well, there. Well, I think it's, I think it's the color commentating. I think it's the team. I would agree. I think it's the success or the team. <laughs> No, it's, it, the, it's the guys on the ice, right? The team's pretty good. Without doubt, it's the guys on the ice. But, I mean, we're doing well. The only thing I'd say is uh, we could use a, a few less fans last night from the and I actually had a talk with Todd today you know we just need to tighten up these standards and I don't need all those fans here I, I'd from rather the opposing team you they were course. in camel yeah. you could see yeah, them yeah. right like oh I know they have those stupid green they're dark all green. green yeah but then you could hear them and it was kind of it was it, disgusting it, <laughs> irritating <laughs> for sure it was, uh, but I, that, that is another thing I know you get the other fans but when, when you brought this team here you 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 knew you were confident the success from locals, but did you expect the you know the VGK worldwide like everywhere I go? I go back to you know Manitoba where I'm from. Winnipeg <laughs> Jets are there. My son's best friend, his favorite player is Mark Andre Fleury. He's rooms Vegas Golden Knights. That's happening everywhere. Did you expect it to you know kind of blow up the way it did and then have that much success and fanfare all around the world outside of Vegas? Yeah, but maybe not quite as quickly as it's yeah. happened. I the team was geared and the logo and the night culture. Is all geared to be uh, the world's team, and that's part of the advantage for being here in Las Vegas. You know, we have 45 million visitors a year. Uh, what are they going to do? They're going to want to be get a get a Golden Knights hat when when they're here, or a Golden Knights jersey. And if they're lucky, they get to go to a game, and uh, they take it back to China or Shanghai or Australia, wherever. And uh, if we can keep on doing that, my first goal was to be the team of the Rockies, and I believe we've already exceeded that. So we're now a national. An international team, and that's fantastic for the for the club. Since we've last had you in this format, Bill, the league's expanded. They've announced expansion to Seattle. Um, you guys have set the bar real high in terms of what you did last year. But in terms of a league standpoint, what do you think of Seattle coming in and kind of evening it out, 16 in the East and 16 in the West? I think it's great to have Seattle in. Seattle's going to be a really good hockey town. Uh, they'll uh, they keep us in the Pacific. Uh, so, which is which is good, and uh, we have our rivalry now with uh, the Kings, the Ducks, the Sharks, and then you've got the Northern teams. So, I, I believe Seattle is going to be really successful. Uh, they're they haven't asked for too much of our input. 
And if they did, we wouldn't give it to them. <laughs> Why should I? That's right. That's right. Well, no, yeah, you don't want them to, to steal the model that's gotten so much success. And it's going to be a lot different. And it's interesting. Seattle's going to come in a different position because everybody's aware now around the league. And uh, Gary knows a lot about that. It'll be interesting to see how that whole thing and that process yeah, unfolds. I'm really fascinated to see how the, the, the processors. And I think, you know, fans should understand. You know, you made. I know you're a good negotiator, but the, the decision or however you achieved to not have to participate in the expansion draft was is a stroke of genius. And I think it's going to be twofold because, number one, you don't got to worry about any of your young guys. Number two, I'm going to be interested to see how George figures out to take use of the fact that he's not in the expansion draft because there's uh, he figured out some wrinkles the last time around. I'm sure he's going to figure out. Don't share them. No, yeah, <laughs> but I'm no. sure he's yeah, going to figure out secrets. I'm very sure he's going to figure out another one this one this time around too. You know, we're just there to help. We're just going to be there to help. Help. Just going to be there to help the other teams uh, to help help them with their problems, and that's our job to be just okay. to just to be helpful. That's a great line from A Few Good Men, Colonel Jessup. I'm here to help you, Danny, right? You believe that? I'm here to help you? <laughs> That's, That's what I'm here good, for? <laughs> uh, mentioning, Gary mentioned all your prospects. Of How is that now to see some of the these draft picks you've had developed, the Brandstroms, the Hags, the Cody Glass, those type of guys, yeah. and for you to see kind of that second wave that'll be coming and whenever it's a year, two, or five? No, I think it's, it's fantastic. You know, we've got four guys, uh, four really good uh, D-men in the, with the Wolves right now, and they're, and they're getting ready. They really are. They'll be... You know, you could, might see them up and down a little bit uh, later on in, later on in the year, and definitely next year they'll be we'll be doing. I'm sure we're going to be doing something sometime next sometime next year. And Cody probably uh, maybe doesn't quite make it just yet because George is a very patient guy. He wants these he's he wants his draft picks to develop, and when they come in, he wants to be ready to play and to be physically mature and not get beat up by uh, not get beat up by some of the older guys. Uh, and then we've got to get. Uh, we need a few more draft picks, so we're going to be very careful about the draft pick, giving up draft picks this year. You know, we gave up a number one last year, and George is really committed to keeping that number one this year. It's a pretty good. It's a pretty good draft class. I guess the only last thing I'd ask you, Bill, is you know, we, we I remember last year we said, "What's the experience like if we were sitting next to you at a home game, in, in your in your box? What would we see? Ha, do you handle it the same now, or are you a little more mellow, or is it just the same as it always was? Oh, it's even worse. It's, <laughs> it's much worse. My wife is telling me Kelly sits there like he's he's stoic. He's the he's the the stump. He's the tree. Yeah. George is wiggling all around and <laughs> yelling and screaming. And she says, now I'm starting to hear you and you're getting a little ag- agitated moving forward, moving back, moving left, moving right. So <laughs> it's hilarious. Got, Kelly has all those years on the bench, bench right? Yeah. He's coaching. Coach. He's got to keep that. Uh, Shane's been on the ice when he's been coaching. He's got to keep that sort of blank expression, but uh, it's... Uh, George does not have a blank expression. <laughs> We're upstairs during games when George is up there, we stay away from that box. Yeah, yeah. on the road, sometimes <laughs> the road? we get him next to us in the broadcast booth. And, you don't uh, even look. Yeah, I, don't, I <laughs> yeah. try not to make contact. You, you put blinders on. Yeah. Yeah. you got a brand new vocabulary at the, <laughs> end, at the end of a game. None of what you can use on television. <laughs> well, Bill, thanks so much. We know yeah. you get a lot going on. And uh, congratulations to this new Open. Everyone seems to love it. It's only been it's a fantastic. couple of games, right? So uh, yeah. congratulations yeah. on that. got a couple little tweaks. We'll see if we can't get those in for tomorrow night. I just got one little thing I want to do. Excellent. <laughs> we look forward to that. Bill, thanks so much. Thanks, Bill. Good being with you guys.
Well, always great to have Bill Foley here with the Sheriff Lawless Some Guy Named Dave podcast. Brought to you by Finley Automotive. Great people over at Finley. Jaguar, Acura, Lincoln, and Chevy. Uh, the Golden Knights, of course, one more game to go before they hit their break. And uh, bye week coming up, Nashville Predators in town on uh, Wednesday night. So interesting, guys. You know, Bill kind of touched on, you know, Riley Smith. Whether I think it makes more sense that they hold oh, him out absolutely. right until after yeah. the break and buy him another, another 10 days. But... You know, how does the Brandon Peary effect uh, fit into all this, right? He's played in the top six. When they get Smith back, how do you see it kind of shaking out a little bit, Shane, as they as they move forward? He's been obviously very productive for them. He has. Um, he's been very productive. Uh they're going to give him opportunity. I think you're going to you're going to try and strengthen your top three lines with scoring. Uh, to be honest. I think, you know, we got one more game here to watch, but I think coming out of that break, they're going to look at a lot of things. I don't see any of those guys in the top six dropping down. The only guy that I see dropping down to the third line would be Brandon Peary. And I don't know if it's a drop. I shouldn't use the word dropping down. Placed. I see Riley Smith going right back to his line with Jonathan Marshall and William Carlson. I don't see Stastny, Tuck, Pacioretty changing. Uh, so... If that's the case, then I see Brandon Perry going with Cody Eakin, Ryan Carpenter, cast of characters, whatever it may be. But uh, he'll still get his power play time. He'll get the opportunities there. And then you have a shooter on the third line. So we'll see how it plays out. But I don't see that how that top six changes. I'm interested in who fits better to – we know their top six is pretty good right now, and obviously it'd be fine with Smith up there too. Uh, but who's bet who's better suited to bolster that third line? Is it Peary or is it Smith? Well, that, that's a great one. Riley Smith, probably right. Yeah. He's a more all-around player. He's going to give you that defensive aspect to it. So um, I, I just think, uh, and sure, we could move around, and maybe I'm thinking too much trying to th- or trying to think like Gerard Gallant. Yeah, it's a pretty loyal coach for sure. Well, that's Absolutely. it. I think it's two things here. It's it's what is the team going to do versus what might our opinions yeah. be. Well, in my opinion is chair. for the initial. I I'm not changing. I'm putting them there to start. I would start Smith on the third line on the left side. Keep Carpenter on the right side. Do that for a game or two and and see how it looked. Ease Riley back in a little bit and then and then who knows. And and I the one thing I don't think they're going to alter. The stats, the Patrick. No, that's not changing. I think that's uh, there's there's some magic there. Well, the question that 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 has come to my mind when when we were talking about this, and this is at two different stages. First, when you've got Patrick playing with Eakin and Tuck. Now that was earlier. That was some of the best hockey we've seen from Cody Eakin. It was some really good hockey from Patrick too. Okay, well, Patrick comes out, Stastny comes back, so you got Peary with Stastny and Tuck. Well, that really seemed to work well, and Peary had put up a number of points at that period of time. All right, I'm getting to this point. Is there something to be said for having a line where your top talent is concentrated, or spreading that talent around? making it more difficult for an opposing team to defend. In other words, I see Max Pacioretty and Paul Stastny together as an obvious combo, but other teams see it as an obvious combo too, so they can allocate their defensive resources to defending them. If you separate those two guys, I wonder if then, if they're separated, 
It's harder for the other team to defend, and they each would make the players around them better. I'm not sure how much better Stasty and Pacioretty are necessarily making each other because they're already so good, but they could elevate other players. Just my thought. Well, and the other thing I would say, too, Dan, is, and, you know, with the Smith part of it, before he got hurt, that line with Carlson and Marcheseau was not doing right. much. No. No, and I, I, I know what you're saying, Nides, and I, I, I Gerard Gallant is very patient, very loyal, and, and he, it takes, you know, they did it earlier this year, right, where they flipped the left wings on those top two lines with, with Marcheseau and, and Pacioretty. Um, and I, I just wonder, like, it, it had dried up for them. Now, Carlson broke through recently, and Marcheseau had the hat trick and, and had a big game. But I'd be curious to see, like, did, did they just automatically go right back to it, as you say? And maybe they, maybe they will because their track record has been so good over the, by and large, for, for a year and a half, you know, with this team. It's a pretty bold statement to take a player, and, and credit to him, Brandon Peary's played great. But, you know, he's played 13 games. Yeah. Yeah, he scored 22 goals once in his career. He's been in the minors pretty much for you know since you know he went to New York, didn't go there. It's worked here, and it credit to him. He's made the most of the opportunity. But you're talking about taking players that well, Stastny Patch ready. You're asking either a six or seven million dollar guy to to go down and play third line. Riley Smith, a five million dollar guy, uh, who's proven. You're you're talking about proven players who have played top six roles in their career. Say let's. And, and I know, I get the logistics of, of spreading it around. But the reality is, that doesn't happen in the NHL very much. Yeah. Right? You, you put those top guys, you can go through every team. Usually the guys that are playing on the third line and that provide that spark are guys that are young and proving themselves and earning those new contracts. And let me play devil's advocate here, Shane. Has not the identity of the Golden Knights been defying those conventions? Was not the success last year their balance in that, hey, we're not doing what they other teams have done? They weren't defined yet, though, of a top six yet. So it didn't matter. This year they are. You know, it's, you know Tampa Bay very well. You know, are they going to split Kucherov, Stamkos up? You know, Brady well, they Point. Have, are mean, they going to move them to the third line well, to that, make it stronger? Who makes their third line? It's the guys that have come up. Gord. Uh, who I else? I mean, Yanni Gord has yeah. played on the top line too. Yeah, I mean, that, but, they but have he's so many. Up, but weapons. he's mainly their third, right? The, you think of their third line guys that have come in. Those are guys that have, that have developed into that role, coming in, making the most of that opportunity. Cody Eakins had a good year. He's got 13 goals. Yeah, you know him and, and a lot Perry. of that has come with Max Pacioretty as a line mate when Howell and Stastny were out. For me, I just look at them going into the playoffs, and I look, look at the third line in San Jose, how powerful they are. Look at Washington, what their third line was like last year. Uh, that balance to me is is perhaps exactly. a key to go, to go to going deeper. And uh, and I, I guess and Riley Smith is an interesting case because. If one guy, if it if it's not going to really bother one guy, I don't think it's going to bother Riley Smith so long as he's getting close to twenty minutes a night, and that's sort of the real tough thing to, like, at some point in time, there's only one puck, there's only so much ice to go around. Yeah, and I think you know Riley Smith may be that guy. Would would you do? You know, you get a lot of scenarios. That's where you know, and we can talk trade deadline. You know, missing that ninth guy. Yeah. Well, and that's right. You could you could yeah. throw Cody Eakin, Peary, Riley Smith together, and then throw someone with Marshall and Carlson. Uh, Absolutely. You could you could split like Dan said. You could split Stastny and Patchetti, but he's not going anywhere but to the you know Marshall and Carlson. Um, so you know, and, and and I know this is going to be way out of left field, but at the beginning of last season, didn't we consider Cody Eakin to be one of the top two forwards on the team? 
Yeah, when when they started, absolutely. Yeah, right, yeah. you know, and and now he's third. And, and and so what I'm saying is like, and Gerard Gallant will always say, "Hey, the so-called fourth line, the so-called second line," and on and on and on and on. And it, I know it, it ends up being minutes. That's how you're going to really rank the first line, second line, third line, fourth line. Who's getting for most minutes? They're going to look at all options of strength. Yeah, and, and, and so my thinking is again, you know, why is Cody Eakin definitely the third line center when he has played with certain line mates? He has produced, and when he's been with, no disrespect, but guys like Ryan Carpenter, Oscar Lindbergh, he hasn't been as productive or as influential in games. But when he was with Pacioretty and Tuck, I mean, Cody Eakin was uh, uh, someone we were talking about every night. Why can't he step into that role again with different line mates? Well, and similar, I think it gets to a bigger discussion, too. Of like, well, As we sit here, the trade deadline's a month away, pretty much, close to a month away. They need... As they did last year, that third line needs more. You know, they went out and they got Tatar last year and they got Reeves. But let's put Peary, for the sake of the discussion, put Peary, Eakin, and... Well, he's injured. Right. Eric Howla. Right. Now, what's the, you know, nobody knows. Is well, he going to I mean, play again? Is he not going to play again? And then, I don't know if he can bank on that, though. Yeah, no, and I think you have to look at the trade deadline and you look around and you know we're waiting to see what's happening in Ottawa. We're waiting to see what's happening in Columbus. At Team Minnesota that was here last night, you know, if they get to the deadline and they're not, uh, they're not in it, Paul Fenton may, may be selling a piece or two, you know. So I, you know, then I think it, can, it gets really interesting because uh, you look at the you look at the West, and I think that. You have to get a little better. I, I, you know, I'm not saying they couldn't win the Western Conference right now, but they're San Jose is good and Calgary's really good. They it's are going to be they're really good, you know. Yeah. And then you got Winnipeg and Nashville. Uh, it's it it's 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 deep. You're if Smith comes back, and, and to Dan's point, and this may be it. I think they're they're one forward away from it doesn't matter of mix and match. There you go. Of the three lines, yeah. that's really mm-hmm. well said. That's sure. probably the best way to phrase that. They're yeah. one forward away from okay. You know, whoever it could be. I'm not going to start throwing names because that's really you know you can throw <laughs> Mark Stone or whatever. You bring a, a veteran Panarin, guy like Stone, Panarin, Panarin, Stone. You bring somebody like that. It doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Take your nine. Throw them in a hat. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. 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 Well, and I think that's where they have to get. That's the. You know, and I mean, how much are they willing to give up? Last year they gave up a lot. Yeah, right. now they because they could. Yeah, first, right. second, and third for Tatar. Yeah, they don't have as much to give away this year. No. You know, although you know, I mean, you, you know, you have five guys that are playing playing defense for the Chicago Wolves right now that are eventually going to be all be National Hockey League guys. So, uh, you know, are you are you are you really rich in that area? And that's that's the one thing you hear GMs always say: don't dig another hole to fill another one. Well, you've got. Surplus soil at that one spot. Now, I'm sure George McPhee would be really reluctant to move any of those guys, but maybe if the return's high enough, that's what you have to do. There's been, you know, it's interesting, guys, as we kind of look around the league a little bit, there's been some, obviously, some separation, right? I mean, that it's Calgary, San Jose, and the Golden Knights, and, and that's, you know, in the Pacific. Uh, the, the gap right now, and I just kind of look at who's in ninth place because, you know, how far would the, would the Golden Knights have to fall or how, how much would a team have to come up? I mean, it's 10 points right now. Vancouver's in ninth at 52 points, and the Golden Knights have 62, um, you know, sitting in that, in that third spot. Pretty good. But, uh, you know, you, you wonder if, if anyone else, is Anaheim going to be able to make a move? They had just lost 12 in a row. But the scary thing is they're still right. They're a point out of a playoff spot. Um, 
Are you surprised, Nides, at Calgary? It seems like every night they score five goals, five or six goals every night. Are you surprised that they've been able to, to by and large, keep this up? I mean, Gary and I were looking at it yesterday. They're 20, rough math, 24 and one over the last two months. Did you, I mean, I know what they did in the game in Calgary against the Golden Knights, but that's. That's that's one thing, but they just seem to be able to keep it up every night. Well, they do, and there's been a lot of games they've needed to score that amount of goals because right. if you look at their one defin- deficiency, it is defending and goaltending. You know, Riddick has come in and done a good job. Mike Smith's the guy that's supposed to be number one. So uh, I think Calgary's played well. They're, they're very deep up front. I, I like their decor. I think that was a real good trade with Carolina for them. Uh, you know, Lindholm, Hannafin have done a lot for this team. Kachuk's taken another step in his progress. Johnny Gaudreau, to me, is a top five player in the NHL. Uh, Sean Monahan just scores goals. Uh, James Neal's a third line player there. You know, this is a guy that was top. He's had a tough year, but uh, they've they've got real good, like you know, Backlund. They've got they've got good depth on that team. Uh, they're good in all areas. The one question mark for me is their goaltending and their ability to defend. But uh, if they get a goaltender, watch out. Yeah, well, yeah, if you watch the way Jonathan Quick was acting in L.A. the other night, yes. uh, yeah, you have to wonder when he doesn't say to Rob Blake, "I don't want to be part of this anymore." You know, no. like that's you've got some guys there that are that ship is is taking on some serious water. Shana, how does Tuchuk do it in Calgary? Doesn't play, doesn't play with the top three guys, and get, sure he gets his power play time, but he's kind of he's doing an awful lot by himself, is he not? There's good genes there, uh, <laughs> certainly with him, his brother. They, they just watch the way they play the game, and I know they're hated probably by a lot of opposition fans, but they, you know, he like played him. with his dad. You know, he owned the wall and that area in front, and they both play exactly the yeah. same. They are hard to play against. They're not afraid of those tough areas. If you want to score goals, a lot of guys takes, you know, sure, you can have talent and be a perimeter player, but if you really want to get to those gritty areas, and they, he, he certainly does. He's on pace for 85, 90 yeah. points. Yeah. Great year. You know, it's funny. We talked about it last night, Shane, on TV a little bit. There's eight teams separated by five points in the Western Conference. That's how close it is. So you could, you could pick anybody. I mean, you know, I, I think it's probably a bit of a stretch to think that you know, St. Louis, I don't know, Arizona, they get a bit... Arizona's four points out of a playoff spot. They get a bunch of teams to jump over. But, you know, you've got... I kind of look at the big five, right? The Calgary, San Jose, Vegas, Winnipeg, Nashville. Five teams that are, I think, knocking on any wood you can find. But after that, outside of L.A., you can make an argument that any of the... And Chicago, sorry, and Chicago. Any of the other teams could go on a run and get into the playoffs in the West. Well, they could, and that's why these games are so important. You're seeing two teams, Nashville and Vegas, identical records. Uh, last game before the break for Vegas is a chance to leap over. It, it, sure, you want to keep pace with Calgary, but you're also, you know, as playoffs get closer, you're, you're looking at the whole Western Conference and the top teams and trying to be a, ahead of as many as you can. So, uh, And then mention, you come out of this break, hopefully they come out of it like they did the Christmas break. Right. You know? Refreshed, ready to go. Um, this, this is really the fun time of year, and and yeah, you can't look at those bottom teams. To me, you look at the ones ahead of you. Those are the ones your focus is on. And as much as you'd love to see them, you know, I know you've kind of touched on this, Gary, and win the division, and they won it last year. And it, you know, I it's interesting you look at it. They, the three series they won last year, they won all three on the road. Yeah, right. They won in L.A., they won in San Jose, and they won in Winnipeg. Yeah. So yeah, and and look, the the home ice advantage they have here is if. It's amongst the best in the league, but 
they were able to break through and win some big games and big series on the road last year. Yeah, absolutely. And and Shane's right in the fact that you know if you want to be the champion, you got to beat everybody, anyways. Yeah. That being said. They're going to be a really good team <laughs> after the first sure. round oh, in the, from the Pacific Division who's going to be going, what happened? First round, to me, is always seems to it's be, be the hardest, scariest. Yeah. And it's sometimes scarier when you're at the top. Last year, they maybe had an asterisk. They won the Western, but still, nobody gave them a chance. Yeah. This year, they win it. The expectations go right up. Boom. You've got first round. There's an added pressure. You're in second and third. You know it's two tight teams. So uh, there, there's a little different uh, mentality to to positioning when you get to playoffs. That 2-3 in the Pacific last year was Anaheim-San Jose, right? Anaheim was done in eight days. Swept. Done. Finished. Wasn't even close. So, you know, a good, again, a good team. You can make an argument. You know, they, they were older and slower, and that's all fair. But they were done in no time. So uh, that's how tight it is in the West. Well, time now for our mailbag segment here on the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, hashtag SLGND. And it's brought to you by Foley Food and Wine. Bill and Carol Foley have created the Foley Food and Wine Society to celebrate three of their greatest passions in life, world-class wines, exceptional cuisine, and outstanding destinations. And they look forward to hosting you during your next visit. All right, mailbag time. Dan, what do you got? What's up, what's, what do you got off the interwebs today? Yeah, we, we've got some good questions. I got a few hockey questions and a couple of non-hockey questions. We'll start with the, the hockey stuff. And, and this is a rather blunt question from someone on Twitter. It's a, <laughs> Let's get to the point. It's a, something I can't quite make out the full name. Uh, but this person asks, why can't we score on five on three to save our lives? I have a question. <laughs> How many five on three goals do the VGKs have this year? None. Zero. Uh, How many yeah. do they have as franchise? Franchise history. They never got one last year either. Is that true? Is that right? It is. Oh, the lawman on the board for 20. I didn't know that. Wow. That's something. Yeah, it's uh, it's a work in progress. We're, yeah, yeah, we're working <laughs> on it. Is right. Isn't that uh, slap shot? Yeah, yeah, we're working on it. Uh, you know what? Uh, I think I think they're trying to look for the perfect play too much. That's, and that usually happens five on three. You try to overpass the puck. You look for that tap in back door. You've got to sometimes shoot to open up lanes. And uh, yeah, it hasn't been good. Uh, I, they've got to find a way because uh, you look at it, the power play has opportunities in games to win, to win for you. That, that would be a great example to, you know, a goal there puts you in the lead. Uh, Winnipeg, six power plays, 0 for 6. One goal game. I know it was 4-1, two empty nets, but power play there gives you maybe a point. Um, so it, it is something, uh, you know, you want to see more productive. they got some time to work on it, but certainly going down the stretch needs some improvement. Especially on a night like last night where they were not at their best. Gerard Glant says after the game, we, you know, early start, 3 o'clock game, we didn't have enough guys that were awake, you know, and didn't have enough guys going. And a long, you know, five on three sometimes, you know, you get it for 12 seconds. It is what it is. They had it for a minute 12 yesterday and really didn't do much with it. And I know what you're saying, Shane, like, get shots through. I, I watched, you know, shots fired right into shin pads. A guy was five feet in front of him. And I'm sure it's, it's not an easy thing to do. And, and guys are fronting shots and blocking shots more than ever. But, you know, those two, they're. The, the execution's just too yeah, slow. Yeah, their last two regulation losses could be a different deal. Power play, and more importantly, five on three if they were factors. The, f- the thing that I find uh, difficult to grasp is the inability to pass the puck tape to tape on the power play. And that's the execution. I, and I think it really, everything starts from there. Because if you're tape to tape, all of a sudden you're moving around quick, you're snapping around, Shane. Has, uh, well, you see penalty like kills, say, right? Yeah. 
One bobble and they're on you. Yeah, that, that's when you attack. Because they're also they're also fast and aggressive, right? Yeah. So if you in Vegas, it seems to me when their power play is when they're executing tape to tape, they have a chance. If they're not, it's uh, it's over and out. So yeah. Um, By the way, Gary, five on three, not very good. They did score one last year. Really? Well, I, I'm looking at the twenty off the board. For I, I, long, I'm man. trying to find out when it was, but uh, the numbers that I have in front of me from the the game notes from the last game of the season says that uh, there was one five on three power play goal. I was told last night that there had never been one scored in franchise Well, tell history. whoever told you. Careful, 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 careful. He's he's. I'm pointing up right now. Higher up on the exactly. Higher up on the food chain, but get it straight. Unless the the NHL's game notes from last April are incorrect, I'm looking at it right now and it says five on three vegas golden knights four one get it straight right <laughs> so, let's say you, so. you you two should know what get it straight from there's a song called badlands and you've never heard this song but uh, bruce sings <laughs> oh, poor man want to be rich the rich man want to be we're king, doing king bruce let's move to the, the next so question one five on three goal in a year and a half dogs on main street how okay there you go okay. what do you got now all right so that's the uh, the power play situation here is another question this is from peter who asks while I understand Zikov represents an age group we lack in the organization, with Smith and Carrier about to return from injured reserve, why haven't they given him, meaning Zikov, a chance to play a little bit more to see what he could do to make their decision coming up easier? Well, I, you know, I, this to me is about time, and they want Zikov. He's played one game. Conditioning, I think, was, it was has been a factor for this player, and they're using they. We're not supposed to. We don't talk about it, but. They do some interesting things around here in terms of conditioning. They have some resources. They have a lot of people, and uh, I think that you know, Shane. How long does it take to, to get a guy in shape? Well, if he's not, it takes a while. Yeah, yeah. and if you want to get him up, and, and if you want to see that player, if you're evaluating him, sometimes it takes a little while to get him into peak form where he's at the NHL pace. Especially somebody that's trying to become an NHL player. It's good for him to practice, to see the pace, to see the way these guys train day in, day out. You can learn a lot just from that. And then, yeah, you need to get him in that that position. If you're your Golden Knights and you've made this you know, process to evaluate a player, you want to see that player at his best. So get him ready. Yeah. And in the small sample size we did see him, it's pretty good. Had a, real, a good scoring chance. Yeah. Set up Lindbergh for another opportunity. My my question is this, though. Is is the buy and the break at a bad time for him? Can they, did they have any access to him over the uh, – or a, if a player can volunteer. So and if a player I, wants to skate with Misha Donskoff, not the coaching staff can't participate, right. but if Misha Donskoff or uh, uh, Doug Davidson, if they want to get into the ice and the player wants to work with that – with the stat, with that part of the staff, right. they can volunteer for that. Can't imagine it's a good thing for him to go away for eight days. And, or no, I, you know I, what I mean. Cabo like, should right not now? be on his. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, City National <laughs> Arena should be uh, should be the initials he's focusing on, focusing on, not not Cabo. Is that where you're going, Gary? No, I'm I'm going. I'm opening boxes for a week. Don't That's get awesome. me, don't get like me started. Time. It's much you're, better than going. You're to coming over, go sure. Dave's gone. I'll be here. All right. Let's uh, get to the next question, yes. shall we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, and, and Gary, th- we've touched on this earlier, but this is a, a more precise question. This is from Nick on Twitter who asked, since Vegas likes to keep eight defensemen, who is likely to get the call up once there's no player cap? I think it's Nick Hague and Eric Branstrom. Uh, you know, I think is that, it one uh, or both? 
Uh, it could be both for sure. Yeah, why not, right? I guess now, first of all, where are the Chicago Wolves at that point in time? And uh, you know, you need what's be, your need up here? What's your, yeah, you got to be a good partner. You can't just completely decimate their blue line if they're a team that's uh, that that thinks they have called their cup aspirations. Not only that, keeping in mind, if you're a Chicago Wolves fan right now, you are thinking about how the Golden Knights called a Brandon Peary and you never got AHL's top score, and there is no replacement in terms of a top line forward in Chicago. Yeah, no. There's all lots of things have to come into play, but uh, so I, I I really think they both get a look at some point in time, and then you decide which one is is more suitable. If if you're talking about five on three, if Eric Branson's oh, on that five on three, he probably mm. gives you a different look. I saw him score well, a goal the other night in Chicago. Have you seen Nick Hague shoot the puck? Well, exactly, they can both wire it for <laughs> so, sure. So and and maybe Hague's. But they're both different, right? The different. Yeah, and maybe Hague's size uh, will make uh, make Fee a little more comfortable with bringing him and plugging him in right away. Uh, you know, I, I don't think you can have a blue line that includes Shea Theodore, Colin Miller, and and Eric Branstrom. I think that uh, you know that you get a little small in your own zone in that in that regard with three guys like you that. Need, you but, need uh, one of those guys playing with England, Holden, or McNabb. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And just in terms of where the Wolves are right now, they're right there in the, in the central oh, yeah. division, right? They're two points out of first place behind Grand Rapids and Iowa, but obviously with uh, how many games do they play in the... Uh, 76. 76, so they've still got... Uh, 32, 34 yeah, games they're, to go, they're, just, they're right there. Yeah, they're, they're right at the halfway mark, and they have their all-star break the same time the NHL does. In fact, the ECHL just had its all-star game yesterday. So, somewhere, Someone in Providence is very upset that you don't know how many games they play in the American Well, no, it's they don't changed. play the same. Yeah, the West changed, and East yeah. play different numbers. Yeah, the Pacific well, Division year, team. Yes, in fact, there are teams much. in the Pacific they're, Division. They're that they're they're here. Numbers. Where's Chicago? <laughs> they're in the West. They're in the Central Division. It's the Pacific Division teams. How many five-on-three goals? Yeah, no, 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 I'm right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chicago plays the same as what Springfield plays, right? That That is true. But that has even changed since the one-time Providence Bruins broadcaster was in that league. That's right. In the 70s. Back in the mid-70s. Back in those days, they're still black and white and color TV. We're still around. I just found out that they – I didn't know they shortened the Western Hockey League schedule. They used to play 72. They only play 68 now. I did not know that. Yeah. Mm, well, travel costs. I the suppose, CFL, they play 28 games a year, the yeah. Bombers. Well, I know that a lot of Kick organizations. Kick it over the shed for the Rouge. Yeah. <laughs> are, are we going to talk about the Patriots, Dave? <laughs> yes. Uh, hopefully. I, my, we're my getting there. We're getting after we're, the we're getting title game. Uh, before we get to that, <clears throat> uh, here is uh, someone on, on Twitter. This is uh, Jedi VGK who asks, what – kind of topping do you put on your pizza and do you approve of pineapple on pizza no fruit on pizza shane puts the staggering amount of parmesan cheese it's almost like when you like some pizza with your parmesan cheese yeah. it's unbelievable how much parmesan cheese nah, i like I, yeah, I load it's, it up. It's, it's i like a variety of toppings dave's more fussy i think than all of i us. like chicken i do not like food pepperoni. on my pizza i don't like chicken on pizza okay no, no I, I, barbecue I, yeah, chicken get no. some real meat pepperoni uh, sausage okay ham how about ham bacon okay yeah, I like bacon. Mushrooms. Good, Olives. thick, sliced I don't like pepperoni. I don't like the thin sliced okay. stuff. No. Oh, well, I'll tell you what I like. How about, yeah, how about from uh, one here of the... Here we go. We're going to hear... I want some roasted red peppers. Yes. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't want the spicy ones. I like the roasted red peppers. I like some prosciutto di parma and maybe some regatta cheese. All right. There you go. Hey, I'm with you. The, get rid of the peppers, but that's fine. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. There you Good go. Stuff. By the way, this is also a plug. I sat next to Wolfgang Puck for two hours a couple weeks ago. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we were critiquing the pizza baking abilities of Brandon Peary, Tommy Cruz, 
the Golden Knight, uh, among others. How about yourself? How did you do? Well, I, I was one of the testers. Oh, I was the host, so I didn't do the, did the, the, so I did the tasting. Uh, this, I would have loved to have seen this, this because <laughs> he would have told Wolfgang, you're wrong. <laughs> oh, that's, no, sorry, Wolfgang. That's, that's, that's not right. This is better than that. It was fantastic. Did you, did you overrule Mr. Puck? Uh, no. <laughs> I, I can't give away the ending and who wins, but I can say that, uh, that Wolfgang was impressive in offering critiques of the pizzas that were baked. It All was right. a fantastic he, time. Are you guys tight now? Like, you exchange cell yeah, and text you know, Wolfgang's Hi, Wolfgang. a fan, and, and he was Dan. he was giving some advice to to Brandon Peary because he heard that he you know scores some goals on the ice. Well, if you're as good in the kitchen as you are on the ice, you got to be really good. So <laughs> I can't give away too much, but it, it's coming from the Golden Knights production entertainment staff, and I cannot wait to see the finished product. Just the photographs uh, from this shoot. Oh, that's were a great. Lot of fun. So yeah, so that, there's your 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 pizza to uh, to to try out from from Wolfgang Puck. Okay, one more question, and this is this is because Dave is the host of the show. Oh. <clears throat> This is from Spartan Beast, who Spartan. asks, who do you want to win the Super Bowl? <laughs> what kind of question is this? And, uh, and I suppose that... This is an outrage. This is uh, unanimous. This is, this is egregious. I mean, the Patriots, they'll get one for the, the other hand. All right, maybe the better question Six is, rings. who is going to win well, the Super Patriots. Bowl? Well, the Patriots. I don't think there's any question about it. Last year, the Super Bowl was postponed. <laughs> Evidently, they didn't play it last uh, year. At least in New England. Or it didn't go well. No, nobody the there. It's revisionist history. I was losing my mind watching the AFC Championship. Game. It was a great game. Yeah. It was awesome. It was one of the. I say this now because it worked out the way I wanted it to, but it was one of the best games I've ever oh, seen. Oh, my goodness. It the, was unbelievable. Even as if it worked a New out York Jets I fan, I, I have uh, as much anger as Belichick and Brady have caused those of us in New York. It's you have to respect oh, it's, what they it's, have done. It's, 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 it's the best. What done. It, it, it is the the most incredible consistency and longevity that I have seen watching sports, and that includes the Bulls and Jordan and all of that. Now I wasn't around for the the Messier and the Edmonton Oilers, but. To me, it is the most incredible yeah. stretch that I have it's seen. It's like the 1950s Canadians, which none of us were around for. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah, I vaguely remember that, but <laughs> but this has been going on for two decades almost yeah. in, in a league that's built to have it not go like this. That's right. It's and, built on parity. And you can thank Mo Lewis and the Jets. Mo right. Lewis knocked out Drew Bledsoe, entered Tom Brady, and then Belichick had the wisdom to resign his HC of the NYJ after one day. Very nice of him. On a the right choice. And my only other thought on the game would be. As gr- I would also like to thank the fella for the Chiefs that lined up offside. Yeah. Yes. In the fourth quarter oh, with boy. 55 seconds left. Jones. Because yeah. the game's over. Right. Yeah. Brady throws the interception. That's it. I walked away from my television, said a couple of swear words, and then all of a sudden <laughs> made a U-turn and stood in my good luck position in front of the TV. Oh, and, and, and I'll also throw a... <laughs> good luck <laughs> position. <laughs> you don't know what that means? Yeah. So if something's good happen, you have to stand with your arms crossed a certain way, or if something bad happens, Very you have to, move, you have to switch it up. That's you right. should know this. You're in the, the broadcast booth with Dave. Does he not have these positions no, during the no, game? No. no, no. no. Really How about the, the football attention. broadcast booth? Tony Romo was something else. As an analyst, you've got... Got to yeah, appreciate he was really he good. called that whole drive down in overtime. Oh, yeah, yeah Gronk the ball. Here, they'll throw to him. Get Edelman over the you know oh. the middle of the field. It was it was impressive. So anyway, we've got a little. We'll be in Florida for that, by the way. Yeah, for the Super Bowl. Yeah, that should be, be fun. So that'd be a good time. Are you going to be wearing a Patriots jersey? I, well, I will tell you this. <laughs> Last year, Shane and I were you there in uh, Washington? No, I was visiting. Gary a friend, was yeah. there. I was visiting, a friend, and yeah. we were you know lucky enough. I have we, video. We got a little spot, and there's some video that might be out there. I wore. My, uh, like a navy blue Patriots Super Bowl champ shirt from mm-hmm. whatever, two years before. I get whatever. There's so many to choose right? from. So the other day, 
I did not wear that because it did not bring good karma last year, uh, and they lost. So I had to switch it up. To, you know, there's a lot of Super Bowl champions shirts to yes, choose we're from. Aware. So I wore the one from the Butler interception uh, against Seattle, and that proved to be a good thing. So that could be packed for the lengthy road trip. If our listeners couldn't tell already, Dave is uh, very much committed to the well, Patriots. You take cause. the kid out of Boston. You can't take the you know, you know, you can't take the Boston completely out of the. Kid. But that uh, does it for the mailbag, Dave. All Thanks right, to well, everybody thank you so who much, uh, sent in the questions. Yes, that's great. Great so, stuff. So that does it, fellas. Um, bye week and All-Star break coming up. One more game, of course, for the Golden Knights. Uh, Shane and I will have, the once again, the night off with pay tomorrow. Uh, NBCSN calling Kenny Albert, our, our man Kenny Albert. Pierre Maguire, already in town, was on, did the second period on radio with you guys. Yeah, that was fun. Which is, yeah. which is great. You guys will have the call tomorrow. and yeah. then um, Eddie Olchek's coming to town, too. Ed's oh, Yep, there you go. And then we'll be... Uh, We'll be off until uh, we'll talk to you after tomorrow. Next chat will be, uh, next broadcast for all of us will be in Carolina uh, coming up uh, after the bye and the break. So, And before we say goodbye, make sure, rate, review, and subscribe. All right, rate, review, and subscribe. Leave those comments. Leave the comments. Go on the iTunes and uh, get on the Google. Find the Sheriff Lawless, some guy named Dave, uh, hashtag SLGND. Rate, review, subscribe, leave comments. We, uh, we'd love if you would do that. That would be awesome. So uh, thanks, as always, for tuning in. And we'll talk to you next time on the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast.